Good morning to all of you. The topic today is we belong to the community of Montmorency. While looking at this subject, it reminds me of a story. When uh, Professor Einstein was in his younger days, was going around giving lectures of quantum physics. And he was not really known by his physical appearance, but more by his reputation at the moment at that time. And he was going doing many rounds, doing the same lectures. And then one day his driver says, you know, you're repeating what you say in every lecture. And you know, in even my sleep, I could just lecture just the same as you. Of which Einstein took him as word, and in the next place, location where he goes to, Einstein asked him to deliver the lecture. <laughs> and he went up and delivered it flawlessly. Flawlessly. At the end of it, one man, a university student, stand up and asked him a question. What do you think of quantum physics got to do with the weak and the strong forces within the nucleus. And without a bit, it say, young man, your question is so elementary that I asked my driver over there to answer you. <laughs> you know, when I approach this subject of momorancy, I, I, I suspect that the experts are down there and not over here. Now, we have gone through a few things using the word belong. We belong to Jesus Christ. And that's very fundamental to who we are. And then last week we have, we belong as members of the body. Now the word belong, when we use to belong to the community, may need to be explained through the process of this message. Now, as part of my message, I will use some non non-scriptural resources to bring Montmorency into this theatre here. I mean things like the census and what I read into the history of Australia. So it's not biblical. But I, would, I do not want to tell you about Montmorency in abstraction of the world. It, you know what I mean? I want to be more specific that we bring our message home. We have a feel of what Montmorency, the people of Montmorency, is about. So, I hope you do not... Uh, it would be, of course, bound... Uh, I'm, of course, you know, do not, would not be able to conclude based on the data, the stack I gave you, to say this is it. Because, but you put the conversation up there. Put the conversation out there. Now, it, has this been done? Is there a precedent in... Scriptures about such method being used. I think there are. And I want to bring to you two times where I think it's very clear that it's done. One in the New Testament and the other one is in the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 17, verse 22 to 23, if you open with me, Acts chapter 17, and this is one of Paul's 
famous speech. You remember, he preached about the altar of the unknown God. I'll read to you this passage. Verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Aerospagus, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at the object of your worship, I have even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Paul, before he preached, he went and studied the culture of the place. Paul did that. He did not just jump on the altar and just go on and give what he thought is suitable for them. He went and studied the place. So Paul did that. In the Old Testament, if you remember the story of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah got the blessing of the king of Persia to go back to build, rebuild the wall, the king of Persia gave him resources as well and authority to rebuild that wall. So he went back full of resources, full of potential. But when he reached there, the first thing he did was not to jump and rally everybody and say, look here, I have all these resources and we are ready to build the wall. What he did, in the secret of the night, he went around the walls and see what is the challenge is like. He studied it first before he rallied the people. I think that is wisdom for us to actually know the mission field before we go up there. Before we go up there. So it's important for us to know who we are sharing the gospel to, our mission field. Let's give them the respect to know them first. Now before I go on to this stack, I would like to first to say, why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? And I want to bring to you two passages, maybe three passages of the scripture and to know how the Christian are to relate to the world. What is our relation to the world? And in particular later, I bring Mormonancy into the picture. I would like you to turn with me to John chapter 17, verse 6 to 26. I think this message has been preached before and it's about Jesus' last prayer before he actually went to the cross. Now, I will not go to the whole, John chapter 17, verse 6 to 26. I will not go to the whole passage. I will just want to take some extraction of this. Jesus' last prayer for the disciples as found in John chapter 17, verse 6 to 26. Verse 15, he says, My prayer is not that you, God, take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. Jesus' prayer request is that God do not take us out of the world, but being in the world, God the Father will protect us. Now, isn't it logical 
that the best way to protect us is for God to take us all out of the world. We'll be fully protected. You know, when you see your child running to danger, you pull him back from the danger and say, ah, you know. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus' will is that we remain in the world. We remain in the world. But God will protect us from the evil one. Sorry, your time is not up yet. Verse 20, what he prays. I pray also those who believe in me through their messages. Now it becomes clear why Jesus wanted us to stay back. That is through their messages. Through their messages. That we people can believe in him. Verse 23, he says that may they be brought to complete unity to to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So our message to the world, Jesus' message to the world, is through our message. And we are here for that. So it's a commission from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Not from the church leadership. But these words come from the word of God. It is our commission. Now, in another passage, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, this is when Jesus gave us our metaphor. He says here, verse 13 to 16, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown under, thrown out and trampled by man. Verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people like a lamb and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the, hell, in the house. Verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The metaphor of salt of the earth and light of the earth. Salt preserves, preserves the meat from getting rotten, it preserves. So salt have a preservation, preservative kind of quality. For us to be salt of the earth, we help to preserve the world and people around us from corruption. And of course, not by just our wealth, but through the word of God. And we add flavor. Salt gives flavor. I remember sometimes I forgot to put flavor in my food and it tastes horrible. Salt adds flavor to the food. Salt adds flavor to the food. So being salt is we in the world, in Montmorency, should add that kind of flavor and preservative to the community around us. That's it. But we are not left to do one alone and not the other. And the other is important. We are the light of the world. So that we, through us, through us God, Jesus can point the community to the light. He is the light, Jesus Christ. And this is the message of the gospel. How do I conclude it? Is that 
when men see that you are salty, they know that where your salt comes from. You are a child of God. The gospel must be proclaimed. That's the thing. Now, we are not alone in this community to preserve the, the community from corruption. We have the police forces. We have the Department of Justice in Australia. And they do a good job and in the scale whereby we cannot do it. When we talk of the health, the goodwill, the, the, the physical needs of the community, our scale is too small. We have the Centrelink and we have our Medicare. We have a good country and we thank the Lord for that. So the the the, the, the the role of being sought is sometimes actually we feel that sometimes we have some limitation because of the resources we have. But there's only one agency. There's only one agency in the whole community here and whole Australia which have the light. We are the only one having the gospel we are the only one being entrusted with this gospel. And therefore, our role has become more critical. We are the only one having the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can move the community from the good, we have a good life, to the best. From the transient to the eternal. And in that sense, we have a very, 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 very important role to play in the community. And that's how we belong to the community. We have to take this to the world. We have to take this gospel. If I have to focus on anything over here in Montmorency, it will find my role to take that gospel to the people of Montmorency. I think I'll, I'll leave with just these two words. Of course, there's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And it's a good thing. But for now, I want to take Montmorency. Ah, it's up there already. I didn't know it was there. <laughs> all right, we have a quiz. Know your community of Montmorency. There's no price in answering this, all right? What do you think is the population of Montmorency? And which is, to you, which is the closest figure? 8,000, raise your hand. 8,000, all right. 8,500? Oh, all right. Let's get a big figure, 9,000. And the answer is 9,000. I'm just thinking of, you know, the census, they have a boundary around Montmorency, and it's about 9, they say, I mean, from the census, it's 9,000. It's actually quite a lot of people, quite a lot of people. Next question. Now, what is the medium age of the resident? Now, it's good for us to picture somebody and then we will know subtly enough to... Because from the median age, we know where they come from. Whether they know that uh, during one time, Australia bowled underhand and, and defeated New Zealand or not. I was enjoying that video. But <laughs> what is the medium age? 35 years? A young area? 40 years. 40 years. All right, good. 50 years. 50 years. And the answer is 40 years. 
50 years is in Maryborough, where I come from, on the weekdays. That is 50 years. Here is 40 years. 40 years. Young. People who actually are affected by the light of Richard Dawkins, postmodernism thoughts, and this is our challenge. Later, I will profile a resident of Montmorency, then we will talk about it more. Next, ha. how many churches, I'm talking only evangelical churches, are within one and a half kilometer from Montmorency? Who are we sharing this ministry with? Two, three, four. Four is right. Four. We have four. We have the fresh church over there, the Anglican church. We have, uh, what do you call, uh, a faith, something named faith church, right? Yes. And then we have also the work of Salvation Army. We have four groups, and we praise the Lord for them. We are thankful. Now, okay, this is what I work out using our directory. With what is the percentage of our members, based on the addresses, are within 15 minutes by car from Monty CC. Because why I say 15 minutes? It's because I think it gives us being able to participate in the community, to work it, call, call people out for, for, for lunches or dinner, to get involved in the community. You know, it's not that you cannot, if you are staying far, you cannot come here. But you ask the people here to go to your house, for example, to the hospital, it finds a bit of burden. Sometimes you feel a bit burdened. All right? So, how many? Eight, 30%? 30% of you are living? Wow, one, well, very brave of you. <laughs> 50%. Ah, oh, that's nearer. 70%. All right, we have a big figure of 70%. So, 70% of us, we are actually within the striking zone to make this church very communal. Very communal. And that's good. That's good. Next. In the last census, now this is, we are talking about what worldview are they holding? What the belief system they have? Alright? If you add those who declare they have no religion, and those who do not state their religion, what would be the percentage, percentage be? I'm looking at our mission field. Now, with this add together, do you think that 60%? Quiet. 70%? Thanks, John. Thanks. Actually, it's 80%. But I believe it's more than that. I believe it's more than 80% people who are not children of God, who do not know who do not know the pleasures of having Jesus Christ as the personal Savior. And you multiply, let's say, 85% to 9,000, 9, you have something like 7,000 old people who need Christ in our community. And I'm not, I'm, community, the normalcy actually could extend a little bit further so there's more people, right? It's, I mean, the, the, the boundaries which I use is quite small. We can extend further. All right, next. Ah, this is, uh, let us know that, you know, if we talk of the people of Montmorency, what cultural background do they come from? So I say, what is the cultural composition of Monty based on ancestry? How many are from European background? And that's very important because we need to know that. We need to know that. How we approach the people, we need to know from the cultural background too. So, 
50% come from 50%, 2%, 65% are from European, Italian, Greek, Germany, and the lot England, of course. 65, oh no, 80%. Right on. It is actually 80%. So you you can profile, straight to profile, what kind of people we expect if we go up there to share the gospel. So you, we know. So in the sense that if we were to do some needs to teach you how to go up there, I do not need to teach you what Buddhism is about, or Hinduism, or Islam. It's not that relevant. You get I me? Mean? We need to actually know what is their belief is like to go up. So European, so you can we can actually say it's mostly like post-Christian background. Uh, post-Christian background. Just last week when I after playing golf with this group for about six weeks, I changed my group just to after to sit them on the table and I pop the question out to this guy and say, Do you read the Bible? It's just a icebreaker to switch the conversation. He says, Do you know that I was a Sunday school teacher? That's how. And he goes on to tell the story how he was disappointed and he moved out. So, you know, post-Christian, and this is coming back to me every time I share the gospel to, to I have some Christian background or church background and all that. So, 80%, alright? We'll talk a bit later on, on more on that. Next, oh, life is good, alright. Life is indeed good. I'll give you a few more specs about the people around here. The house, average household income of Montmorency, the people of Montmorency is one thousand weekly one, one thousand seven hundred and forty-two dollars a week. If you're not getting that, please see the census department. <laughs> but put it there, that is the step. The household income of Maryborough, where I is seven hundred dollars. Can you see the disparity? And in Maryborough, we don't have people sleeping the sleep in, in the street. The people in Maryborough are pretty well off and happy. We did not actually roll up the food cart and food table because there is starvation there. But we are having people over here in the census saying that the average income is seven thousand one thousand seven hundred and forty-two. So you must also know that when we actually want to meet the need, it may not be financial need. The community is pretty able to... I have to say this because we want to focus our resources and channel our, our, our effort to an area which actually yield result. I'm not saying that maybe there are people who fall off the cracks. I agree to you. I agree that the people who follow the crack and all that. And we do have, we do have agency to help them. For example, the Centerling and the hospital to help them out. To help them too. But this ended the discussion. But I'm just saying that life is good. So, uh, before that, life is good. People, in Bombardier, life is good. So resources, they are quite good. And they have good time. The football field is well played. Cricket, girl, come on. People are in the, in the cricket field, oval, enjoying themselves. Life is good for the people of Montmorency. From the stack, anyway. 
from the stack. Now, if I would ask them, what is the belief? I, be, I, I think the people of Mormonancy, the, if you have a man, you average, pick up a man from Mormonancy, what is their worldview and what is their belief? I'll say this. Now, we can discuss. Now, I have set up some chairs in the hall there, which I like to listen to you after this. If you like to sit down with me and we discuss this a bit further, it's a good discussion on evangelism and how we can do things in the community. But I would say that the people on Mormon State, you take, let's say, the average person, he probably holds the worldview of humanism. Humanism. Now, if you don't know what it means, I'll explain to you. Humanism. Anyway, the name also so engage us. I'm a human, so I should be a humanist. Although they are not heart caring, I believe they are actually. They believe in humanism. I don't know whether my next slide shows something. Okay. Now, this is the definition of humanism, but I will simplify it. Humanism is a, philosophy, is a philosophical and ethical stance that emphasizes the value and agency of human beings individually and collectively and generally prefer critical thinking and evidence over acceptance of dogma or superstition. A lot of words. But basically, this is what it means. It means that man says that I can think right, I can do good, and I can be fulfilled for both himself and the community without referring to the supernatural. They don't need God. Humanism is about this. They think they can do right, be right, be fulfilled for him and his community without God. Don't you think that this is a good view of the people out there? I feel so. The more I talk to them, actually they feel. Not only they feel, they believe it. I see them. Actually, I see among my interaction with those who are not in the church, they are pretty good people. They, they actually serve the community quite sacrificially. They are pretty good people out there. And maybe they gave out about eternal life, but they do lead quite a fulfilled life. They bring up their children pretty well. Most of them, of course, they are difficult. And they don't need God. They don't need God. That makes our challenge even more difficult, isn't it? More difficult. You are going to share the gospel to say you can have a better life in Jesus Christ while they already have, in their view, a good life. And I don't want to disturb that. Why do I need God? How do we get to this point? How do we get to this point? Oh, they can, all right, this is what I simplify it. That we can be right, choose right, and think right without God in the picture. How do we get there? How do we get the, the, the community come to that point of view? In this book, The Bible in Australia, he explained, and I think you will agree, Based on the ancestry which moved here, mainly predominantly 
European, we have a very strong culture which is based on the Bible, the scripture. When I talk to most of my Australian friends, they can recall to you how their life, even though they are not Christian, their life actually is filled going to church. Community have evolved around the church. So there is a very strong biblical background. And when the Bible is used for even that, just to, to, to get the community together, to, to structure the culture together, the Bible actually enriches the community. Our laws are also based, very much based on the scripture. It's so much so that this guy, Thomas Huxley, he's an agnostic, English agnostic in 1870. He is called the bulldog of Darwin. That means he was attacking the church all the while, saying the church is over. But he actually wrote this. There still remain in this old literature, that means the Bible, a vast residuum of moral beauty and grandeur. The Bible. Even you take just the moral value of the Bible, direction of life, you read the proverb, it will enrich your life. Even if like, they actually move God away from the Bible. It's still a very influential, powerful literature. This is the Bible. But that's unfortunate. Because why? When society chooses the good over the best, the best is that you have to, through the Bible, come to know what the Bible is for, Jesus Christ, God. You stop there. You actually get the good, but never the best. And the good is always the greatest enemy of the best. We always stop at good. Enough. We didn't go for the best. And even as I go, I do weekly in, in, in Maryborough, do we did churches which is maybe non not so biblical, like I was just worshipping with the Anglican church last, last, last Thursday. And the, 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 the Bible is used more for moral teaching. What I'm saying is that we are trying to just use Christianity just as a moral platform to build our culture and we get it wrong. The good, we just did good. We must bring Jesus into the conversation. We must bring the gospel in the conversation. That's why we lost it. And that's why Australia now, we're having a lot of people we have talked to, we remember their days. They are religious. They are members of the church. The members, but they just left it. A lot of times people say, I've read the Bible. Most of them they don't, but they think that they have because they, you know. So anyway, so this is how we get to this point. So if you actually approach the people out there in Montmorency who are Caucasian, they probably say, yes, I have some uh, Christian background because, you know, uh, I've read the Bible before or whatever. So that is the point of your conversation. They are actually, in a way, morally good. Good people, actually good people. They're intelligent people. They find that they can do all this without God. And of course, they are challenged. Now, I mean, I know the Bible says the fools say in their heart that it's no good, but I don't want to call them fools. 
Because actually, if you go, if they were to say, okay, today, I want to know if there's a God, and they go out there and they look at the internet, you have so many, many people coming with all different kinds, Buddhism to every, they could confuse it. None of this can be all together right. So after going through, they get pretty, this is not going anywhere. I want to leave the scene. They are actually leaving the scene because they, they have searched and they don't think that the answer is there because all religions are wrong except for one. And that is their challenge. And that's their challenge. Okay. How do you going to reach there? I don't know. You have to think through how you're going to reach them. Okay? How do you, and maybe big, big conversation there and you think of it through your, 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 your uh, care group. I want to actually uh, say is that Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. To everyone who has faith, it's the power of God to salvation. When we share the gospel, we are not sharing mere words or words to convince somebody. When we share the gospel or make attempt to share the gospel, we are invoking the power of God. Remember that. It may not come, we may say, if that's so, the fellow must come and believe. No, that's not. We invoke the power of God to create an internal conversation within themselves and we leave God to take over. We leave God to take over. Sometimes you want, may want to move a bit and you sense that. You will ask them. I, a few cases where I have to ask them. There's one case whereby this man, he actually comes from a family who the whole family actually already Christian and active in church and all. And he is one guy who always go church Christian camp, youth camp and all that. He's a very nice guy. Morally upright and all that. But he knows that he is not ready to say, Jesus is my Lord. So, in one occasion, I took him and we sit down and say, okay, let, uh, let me answer all the questions you can have. And then we go on and the, 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 all the questions he, he have as regard to you know, why not all not religion can be true and all that. But at the end of the day, I feel and say, look here, you know, then he agreed that the Bible actually can support a reasonable faith. Then I said, okay, look here. Now let's pray for this thing. I want you to ask God now for something which actually shows His presence in your life. You're going to pray for a miracle in your life. Something you need. What is it? So he actually said, alright, you know, we also was going through, the daughter had a fall, she had a break of the hand, and she's doing physio, she, she's doing a physio course. She's going to be a physio, therapist, physio. She, she's taking physio. So in her course, they have to be using the hand and, and what do you call it? So, she said, we are not sure my daughter's hand, and we look at the, actually, my wife looked at the x-ray and said, well, whether she can be healed in time to go to the next term. So he said, I want God to heal her such a way the doctor declares she is fit to actually do the course. So he said, okay, we'll pray for that, you know. I don't care. I, I will say that leave God do the work. And God did the work. So sometimes you feel that, and then you take it over. And let the power of God be the one who finally interact with him 
internally and bring to fruit this, this one. Well, we can do that. But sometimes it could be also come up with a bad outcome. My wife, she, over in Malaysia, she actually can share the gospel to her patient. And one night, one of the patient came in and said, look here, uh, you know, I'm getting old and getting a bit advanced in age, she's a lady, and I'm missing having to have a child in my, my, my family. She's a married woman. So my wife said, why don't we pray about it? And said, oh yeah, so if, if God were to give me a child, you know, she said, I will go to church, I will worship him, I will praise him. A month later and all that, she came back and said, I'm pregnant. And my wife said, well, praise the Lord, good. So have you been going to church? Oh, let me wait, let me wait, you know, I have too busy in my life, this and the other. So she didn't go to church. Sad to say that she came at the third visit to my wife. She lost the child. Don't challenge God. He'll be very, very, very real. And I believe when I share the gospel, this is what happened. God will have interaction with the person's life. God will have interaction with life. Okay? He said that the person uh, needs at least 35 exposure to the gospel before he becomes a Christian. It's not like immediately. So if you were to share the gospel once a year, and you are a Christian for 35 years, maybe the Lord will chance on you that you reap. You, not that, you, that the rest of the sharing of the gospel is unimportant. It leads to the people's God working in his life. But if you share the gospel often, you chance upon that the probability of you seeing a person coming to know the Lord almost immediately goes up. Goes up. So, this one fact. And is the gospel message effective? Just look around you. All of us are here because somebody shared the gospel to us. All of us are here because of evangelism. And we should take this to the people, to the community of Montmorency. 